Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with David Bradlow about how environmental sustainability can play a role in a company's overall strategic plan. Dave Radlow, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Well, thank you very much, Jonathan. Delighted to be here. Yeah, I'm super excited for this conversation. And today we're going to be shifting gears a little bit and focusing on something else that we have talked about on the podcast from time to time, but it's not our sole focus. We tend to focus more on um, people-centered organizations and people-centered leadership Today, we're going to be focusing on environmental sustainability and how organizations can build environmental sustainability into their company's overall strategic plan so that it feeds into all of the various uh, processes, practices, policies, procedures of the organization. It's really just kind of baked in to who the organization is really at its core, at its soul. Uh, and I, I think that is a people discussion, frankly, um, but it's it's one that perhaps is on the periphery and that we don't talk about as much as we should. So thank you so much, Dave, for joining us today and, and to have this wonderful conversation. As we get started, I wanted to share Dave's bio with everybody. Dave Radlow is the best-selling author of Principles of Cartel Disruption, Accelerate and Maximize Performance, and an internationally recognized expert in leadership, innovation, and growth. He is a partner with RB Markets Achievemost, a master's professional outside director, a growth coach, and an international Fortune 500 speaker. He is experienced in the U.S. and globally building sustainable consumer food brands such as Born Free, Farmer's Best, and Eglin's Best, and has personally negotiated agreements with Fidel Castro. He works with senior executives, venture firms, private, public, family, and college entities. His accomplishments in his 28 years as a CEO include delivering a six-fold increase in earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization, and a 30-fold increase in enterprise value. He is a graduate of Tufts University and NYU Stern School of Business. Thank you so much for joining us. Anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background or personal context before we really launch in? No, I'm just really, really excited to be here, Jonathan, and and talk about sustainability and uh, the fact that the world is taking it very seriously and, and and the consumer and customers are taking it very seriously. So which means businesses need to take it very seriously. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. And, And certainly we've seen over the years, we've seen the pendulum swing and people are paying more and more attention to it, thankfully. Uh, and while I would hope that every leader, every organization would want to proactively think about sustainability and their impact on their communities and the environment, you know, proactively because it's the right thing to do, 
The reality is a lot of organizations aren't going to do that until consumers demand it. And that's really happening more and more. And so more and more organizations are uh, following suit, whether it's their you know pure intention or not, ultimately it has a good outcome uh, for the planet. And that is that we, we have more sustainable products, more uh, sustainable ap- approaches to um, creating and delivering those products to, to consumers. And that's good for everybody. So as we get, go ahead. It it certainly does. I mean, it certainly does that everybody has to fall in line with the way uh, the consumers are thinking about things and, and really what's in the best interest of, of not only business, but what's interested in the planet as well. Yeah. Yeah. So when we, you know, we talk more and more about the triple bottom line, for example, that's something that, you know, 20 years ago wasn't really a thing only on the fringe. And now I think most organizations are thinking at least in some ways about triple bottom line dynamics. Um, so that's, that's a good improvement. Uh, so let's, let's start by talking about the role that sustainability can and should play in a company's overall strategic plan. You know, we, we have strategic plans for everything. I've been a part of the process of creating strategic plans and then implementing them you know, some, some companies do a new one every three to five years, or maybe they have a rolling strategic plan that they tweak and adjust over time. The reality is we're pretty good at creating strategic plans. Um, probably not as good as at implementing them, but you know, we're, we're getting better at that. Um, why and how do we bake sustainability more into our strategic planning? Well, it's funny. I go right into that on page 98 in chapter seven of my book, where I just take a look at base implementation of putting sustainability in. And uh, really, level one is they're just not ready to go forward. Level two is that you're really willing to have an assessment of the critical materialities, such as environmental sustainability and, and all sustainability in that matter. And then you create the plan and then you operationalize the plan, which you were just talking to, not just uh, create a plan, but actually tie it to an opera, opera, uh, operationalize it. And then level five is really transforming your results. And it's, it's literally one through five and it's easier said than done, but that's what you need to do if you're really serious and you don't want to just give lip service about it find out where you are, and then move forward. Uh, free on my, my website, on, pardon me, on davidradlow.com, anybody can take a, an assessment that gives you an idea as to where you are first. Because without being willing to measure where you are, then you really can't measure going forward where you want to be. And that yeah, well, that's, that's great. I, I think, I think assessing where we're at is, is an important first step. And you outlined really, I think, some of those initial steps of what we need to do in terms of uh, really seriously thinking about the role of sustain- sustainability in our strategic planning. And hopefully, like you said, we're not just giving lip service to it. I think a lot of organizations, I mean, it's better that they're talking about it than not talking about it, I suppose. But, but only talking about it doesn't really do anything. It doesn't move the needle um, and, you know, putting nice posters on the wall, putting a nice statement on your website or, or issuing a press release, uh, or even putting something on your packaging uh, to try to brand yourself <clears throat> as a sustainable company 
doesn't necessarily mean anything if you're not actually putting sustainability practices into place consistently over time. And so that's where we as consumers need to hold companies more accountable. And I think organizational leaders need to hold themselves more accountable. Uh, they need to recognize the importance to communities, to the planet, and they need to understand as well. And this is where it really, well, it ties in many ways, but this is one way where it really ties specifically back into people-centered organizations that more and more employees want to work for organizations that are serious about sustainability, especially uh, millennial and Gen Z workers. They don't want to work <clears throat> for companies uh, that are exploiting the environment. Uh, quite the contrary. They want to know what the, their company's commitment is to sustainability, how they're going to go about doing it. And the company needs to be able to to, sh to walk the walk and show how they're making their impact if they want to attract and retain really great people. You're going to see this as, as this and people start and companies start competing for the revenue and the dollars of consumers and also to please their employees. They're going to start seeing transparency in that you're going to see it on their website and you're going to see exactly what their cover, uh, carbon equivalent emissions are, what their targets are, and what their reasonable expectations are in getting to the targets and marching to the targets and giving reports. And you'll see the ones that really care are the ones that believe in it and also are willing to be transparent and show their customers how they're moving down the line in, in, in a reasonable fashion. What I mean by reasonable fashion is that if you, you have a plant that, that frankly has another three to four years of depreciation left on the useful life of your equipment, no one is saying that today you have to replace it. But when, you, when that useful life is over, the plan needs to be in place that it is replaced and that you are moving forward on that, on that way. I mean, and, and that's on that side. Uh, you know, eventually it's going to catch up to people because the people that are proactive and the businesses that are proactive are not only going to take, take advantage of revenue, but you know, as Gates pointed out in his book, How to Avoid a Climate uh, Disaster, there's big taxes coming down the line. I mean, uh, carbon equivalent emissions is going to be a, a taxable offense. So, you know, you have to start planning. And, and if you're not, and you're a late adopter on this situation, then you're going to get caught up into paying an awful lot of taxes that you really shouldn't have to if you planned appropriately. Yeah, so we need to be planning now, plan ahead, just like we do. I mean, that's why we do strategic planning for anything, right? Um, is is to try to look around the corner and prepare for the future. And that's exactly what we need to be doing in relation to sustainability. Um, but there is a bit of a dilemma that companies often face. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Um, what is that dilemma companies face when trying to initiate better sustainability practices? Well, there are dual uh, dilemmas sometimes. For example, if you talk about overall sustainability, if you take a look at, at you want to also raise the standard of living of people. So when you raise the standard of living of people, what do they do? They go out and they'll buy cars and they'll buy, you know, higher food and they'll, they'll travel and they'll do all this stuff that um, could on the, on the, on the other side, will that will that will eat up at the uh, carbon equivalent footprint. 
So you have to be cognizant and reasonable and realize that as you do and raise standard of living of people, then you also have to focus in on how do we drive out carbon equivalent emissions with a higher standard of living. Yeah, and that comes back to, I think, the, the broader cultural concerns around a consumption-based economy. Uh, and we just, we consume so much. Uh, speaking now specifically about the U.S., uh, I haven't looked at the numbers recently. I'm sure you know the numbers better than I do. But something like, you know, we produce something like 80% of the world's waste. Um, I don't know if that number is still accurate, but that's a number I've heard in the past. And we're, we just consume so much. And, and standard of living has been become equivalent with consuming more and more and more and more. And that doesn't need to be that way. You look around the world, you look in other places, people have a very nice standard of living. And that doesn't mean they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger houses and bigger and bigger cars and more cars and more clothes. And like, we don't need to constantly be consuming more and more and more. Yeah, we don't in the United States. And we have kind of, and that's the interesting thing about sustainability. It's like, when you talk about sustainability and environmental social governments, and it really regionally compared to where you live, it's a different conversation. Here we are in a somewhat affluent country and we do have to take care of the poor and we do focus in on food banks. I certainly have given a lot because there is that gap of the two Americas, so to speak. But compared to the poverty that you see in other parts of the world and that uh, that's what you're looking at, it, it's all about the incremental um, improvement, whether or not it's standard of living and also um, environmental social practices. So uh, you really need to focus in on, and here we are in a wealthy country as we are, you're totally correct. You know, we don't necessarily need that, but unfortunately you're right, we're a consumption-based uh, economy and people buy what they want to buy, not necessarily what they need. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, your, your point is a good one. Uh, as 
organizations become more and more sustainable, we also have to address the larger societal and cultural issues around consumption um, and waste and in those sorts of things. Uh, if we want to really tackle uh, all of the, the challenges we're facing, you know, in terms of uh, the state of the environment. Uh, something else, getting back to organizations, you mentioned uh, equipment and over time, you know, the, the equipment gets closer and closer to the end of its useful life. And then hopefully we can replace it with more efficient equipment. Um, but I, I think manufacturing processes overall uh, play a big role. And there are things that we can do to shift and change that can simultaneously help our organization be more sustainable environmentally, uh, but also create more jobs and, and create more opportunities and increase standard of living for, for people within the organization. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, would you mind repeating that again? If it be, be kind enough so I can answer it succinctly. Yeah, you bet. So how can companies create new jobs and increase value by changing some of their manufacturing processes and the way they approach, you know, those processes and not just equipment, but the overall uh, approach? Yeah, well, that this is where it goes, where it's a real win-win situation, because what you can do is you can do your process excellence on eliminating waste. And people don't realize that is a such a big, big opportunity when you get into a company that you're rapidly growing and you're not paying attention to the waste uh, that you have. And, and I'll just take a very straight one that I was involved with. I was involved with a very fast growing company that was growing in the hundreds of millions of dollars. And they were growing so fast that I was doing a waste walk and you walk around and see what you can find, so to speak. And what we ended up finding was that they weren't tracking their returns and the merchandise I said, wait a second, you know, where do you retract your returns? Well, go a thousand yards up, go through the curtain and ask uh, Glenda, she's in charge of that. So I go see Glenda and I asked her, I said, Glenda, I said, what do you track? You know, you know, what is the number? She says, I have no idea. And I said, well, just give me an idea. What's coming back? And she says, I don't know, five or 10%, right? Five or 10% of a uh, billion dollars is a lot of money, but also it's a lot of product that was, and I said, what do you do with it? She says, oh, well, it comes back, it goes over there to the other side of the warehouse. I said, okay, now where does it go? It goes, well, we wait until it piles up and then we call a dump truck and, and get rid of it. You know, and, and I said, I was there myself. I said, I said, wait a second. There has to be a better way that we can tie in a system where we can track what we have coming back, get back to the manufacturer as necessary, or refix it up ourselves so we can get it out to customers. And that way we can eliminate the waste stream and eliminate, uh, in fact, we ended up implementing a program like that. And not only did we save, I don't know, around 10, $20 million. But we also became a lot better in terms of merchandise, a stopping the absolute waste that was happening through this whole process. So that's just one example of just how you can functionally get into a situation and 
through your processing practices, you can eliminate waste, eliminate unnecessary step value added steps in a processing process. And it could be on anything. It could be making pizzas. It could be making widgets. When you eliminate waste and you eliminate steps, you're eliminating the carbon footprint. Yeah, well, that example is incredible. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever heard of anything quite so blatant and wasteful <laughs> um, and, and and costly. Like, yeah, to your point, I mean, they, they could recoup so much uh, from those returns and to just call a dump truck and and uh, ship it off. That's that's incredible. But I guess when when you're growing fast, maybe you're not paying attention to those sorts of things. Uh, so, so we need to, yeah, pay there's attention. a lot of that. I, yeah. I mean, really this, I mean, I just gave one example, but every single organization I've walked into, there are ways in which you can reduce the amount of steps that you have in processing and that cuts the carbon footprint out and it put dollars in your pocket. And here's the important part of this is, is that when you get to sustainability and companies and owners, and I talk to a lot of them on my sustainable leadership podcast and disruptive growth. And you've got continuum from one side that says, well, if I can save money, I'll do it. Right. And then you get the other side that says it's a core part of our lifestyle. We live and breathe sustainability and we are into it 100 percent. But but the reality is even the guys on the other side that that that. You know, they're not drinking the Kool-Aid. They don't want to waste money. And they and if you can find ways like this that can save a tremendous amount of money and also helps with reducing environmental sustainability, generally, they're all for it. Yeah, that's truly the win-win scenario I think we're looking for. Um, so you, you've already talked a little bit about, you know, some companies are faster um, to adopting sustainability initiatives. Um, You know, there were many companies setting net zero targets to hit in 10, 20, 30 years, but other companies are being much slower uh, to adopt and adapt to this kind of new environment. And that's going to make it harder for them in the long term to attract and retain good talent, to, you know, have a loyal customer base. Uh, There's a lot of things that are going to be challenging for them. as we move into the future. So what are some specific things that companies can start doing today? Anyone listening, uh, mostly organizational leaders who tune into this podcast, who are thinking, yeah, this sounds great. I would love to do more. Um, But what can we start doing today to start eliminating waste and carbon equivalent emissions? Yeah, I, I would immediately start with taking a hard look in a mirror and doing a materiality, uh, assessment to say what matters in terms of sustainability. Obviously, environmental sustainability and tracking is number one. Find out where you are today. Do that analysis, okay? You can go through it. There's page 98 of my book. It takes you through the five steps. That's number one. You can also do the assessment on davidradlaw.com. It's a free assessment. It lets you figure out where you are. Once you measure and know where you are, then you can plan to go where you'd like to go and bring in the right, bring in advisors that have been through this so they can help you develop that plan 
And then, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be me. It could be, you know, Dan, it could be anybody that's going to help you get to where you need to go. And then once you have the plan, then you need to operationalize the plan and, and, and then achieve the objectives and then incrementally improve things. And then you tie it back to the overall plan. And you earlier, it's nice to have a plan, but it's even better when you operationalize the plan and then you look back on the actual plan and you tie it in and then you go weekly, monthly, uh, yearly and say, okay, well, this was the plan. This is how far we got. And then next year, we're going to go ahead and we're going to map it out and we're going to have more improvement. So it, you have to buy in. And if you're willing to buy in, you can make a difference. That's wonderful. Uh, Dave, it has been a real pleasure talking with you. I, I noticed we're getting close to the end of our time, but before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you and your organization, where they can find your book. Uh, you mentioned a podcast. Uh, talk about those things a little bit and then uh, give us the last word on the topic for today. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you very much, Jonathan. I really, really appreciate the opportunity to coming on. come on. Um, anybody can go to davidradlow.com. That's D-A-V-I-D-R-A-D-L-O.com. And you can take a look at a podcast. You can take a get an assessment down. You can go and either buy a book or find ways to, you know, buy a book. Uh, and then uh, you can certainly learn more as well. So uh, it's, it's really exciting that people really care about uh, sustainability and that it really makes sense. And for everybody that's listening, that's considering it, it's one of these things where you can build, it's win-win. You can save money and you can improve the planet. Perfect, perfect. David, it has been a real pleasure. I really appreciate your time and sharing your expertise with me and, and my listeners. I encourage everyone to reach out to get connected with Dave, find out more about what his organization can do for you, check out his book. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.